once forged in the fires of PR and journalism, Curtis Dewar and Corey Westbrook united to create C-Squared. Now on our podcast, we interview musicians and other industry professionals to give you an inside look on how to take your music to the next level. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the C-Squared podcast with Corey and Curtis. Today, we are here with Miss Addison Heron-Wheeler, metal journalist, writes for OFM and New Noise Magazine, has written for a lot of other publications. Pretty impressive career in writing in the metal world, and we're super excited to have her on the show today. Uh, Before we get started, I do just want to say thank you for braving the podcast and putting up with the chaos that is me and Curtis. (laughs) So, Addison, first of all, can you kind of go over a nutshell version of who you are and what you do just a nutshell version sure um i'm addison heron wheeler i'm managing editor of new noise co-publisher and editor-in-chief of ofm outfront magazine colorado's lgbtq media um i also contribute to some other metal publications both online and print Um, I have a few books in the works, a few books already out. I'm also bassist in a band called Kronos Compulsion, and I live in Denver, Colorado. That's pretty impressive, I gotta say. Cool. Do all the things. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. And so you do have a really, you know, impressive career in writing in metal. How did you get started writing in metal? So let's just start right at the beginning with that one. (laughs) So I got started, um, I always wanted to write for Decibel and even Metal Maniacs back in the day when I was a teenager. Um, And so I started writing about metal for the school paper in high school and the local paper in high school and I became an intern there. Um, And then when I went to college, I started writing about metal for RVA Magazine, which is kind of a local Richmond um, arts and culture magazine, and for the college magazine, and just kind of stayed involved. Um, and then I took a class on women and music, and for that class, we had to pick a certain genre to kind of do a paper on, and I did women and metal. Um, and then when I discovered kind of the really interesting history and how much had been swept under the rug, I turned that into a book. Um, And then after that book came out, I kind of got a little bit more recognition and I started writing for Metal Rules um, and just doing a little bit more metal writing across the board. Um, And then from there, got in with some bigger publications. So just as a quick follow-up for for us, so how long exactly have you been doing metal writing then for? So I just turned 32. Um, I guess I started about when I was 14. Um, even getting published. I mean, I was getting published. It was definitely like the local Fredericksburg, Virginia newspaper. So, you know, like I was getting published in decimal at 14 or anything like that. But yeah, I have been, I guess, for like over 15 years now been writing about metal. Out of curiosity, um, how how do you kind of like when you're 14, like were you doing interviews and stuff or were you just doing reviews? 
interviews, reviews. Um, my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, was in a local band. So I like featured their band and some other local bands. Um, landed some bigger reviews because I did work for the newspaper. Um, and I did, you know, I think I found recently my first ever thing was just like a little list of upcoming shows in my hometown. Yeah. So I just kind of got started through those connections. Fair enough. Um, there was somewhere I was going with it. Now I forgot where I was going with it. I'm sorry. No <laughs> uh, Corey, did you have a follow up on that before we go to the next one? No, I am good. Okay, so this this is this is a good one. Let's let uh, that I got for you. How do you stay on top of all the different places that you write for? Because you got a lot of places, and you <laughs> manage it manage it at one place, and you're you said you're the co owner uh, co editor of another one, yeah. and you also freelance. So how does one keep on top of all the projects? Well, well to, to be totally honest, you know, sometimes I don't, I don't want to make it sound like I'm some sort of superhuman and I never make mistakes. For example, yeah. even this last week, I had a friend in town for a couple of days, took a couple of days off. So, you know, full disclosure, it's been super crazy trying to catch up and sometimes it is super overwhelming. But I think most of all, I just, I have to write everything down. I make a list every day, even if I'm repeating what's on the list because I didn't get it done the day before or writing down stuff that I know I have to do. Like I have to make that list to stay organized. And then I just put in a lot of hours and try to balance my time, multitask the best I can. Fair. Um, and then just to kind of follow up on that. So you got a, you got a fair different range of publications, like different topics and stuff like that. How do you kind of compartment it into being like, today I'm gonna to write about this or how does it work? with you yeah um I think it helps that it's all things I'm interested in um so you know being a member of the LGBTQ community being a woman yeah. and a feminist um you know I enjoy writing about those kinds of issues and through that lens too I'm able to write about you know other things that intersect with that um I'm also a cannabis user cannabis advocate so that also interests me so you know even though high times definitely pays better than some of the metal writing world. Like I'm also interested there. Um, and then obviously passionate about, you know, metal, hard rock music. Um, so I think because I have so many different interests, it kind of helps that, you know, if I'm ever feeling really burnt out, like, oh my gosh, I've written about metal for four hours straight. I can yep. go and write about, you know, Lil Nas X or a really serious issue in the queer community or something that's completely different and then just kind of cleanse my palate. Do you ever combo? the different topics and like how do you do that if so oh definitely like pitch I mean like how, yeah. do you, how do you figure it out um well I get a ton of pitches like from metal PR for high times when it has to, something to do with cannabis um so then that's a really fun one to get to write about kind of like the intersection between um you know metal and cannabis similarly um I write the fear of a queer planet column for new noise so that's you know anyone queer in metal punk etc getting to interview them oh, yeah. which oh, is yeah. a cool intersection yeah. um so yeah, there's definitely a lot of places where it crosses over. Um, and when it comes to cannabis, since I live in Denver, which is a legal or Colorado's legal state, and I live in Denver, um, cannabis funds a lot of OFM, my day job, Outfront Magazine. Um, we have a ton of oh. cannabis advertisers that really help us out. So then oh. my knowledge of you know cannabis and working at High Times really comes in handy with the clients there because I get to be a little more knowledgeable than maybe some LGBTQ editors would be about that world. So it all, it, it can all relate in other words. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. 
do we there have another crossover in in the different the yeah different a lot of crossover in there because a lot of i find a lot of bands tend to take on you know some of those same issues as part of their like just who they are and what they what they present to the world so yeah, yeah there's there's so much crossover in there <laughs> yeah well, absolutely oh well i before we move on to the next question just just getting back to this here then so like let's say that you do have a band um that combines like metal and one of those issues what would be the best place how, how should they pitch you for and wh- and for where so let's say it's marijuana mm-hmm. metal should they be pitching you for high times new noise or honestly i would say you know wherever the pr thinks that it would do the most good reach the most audiences um if there's a really big cannabis <clears throat> angle like say the bands all work in a grow or they all work in a dispensary or they're huge advocates or you know this is the first time they're gonna talk about it publicly or something like that and they're a really big band then definitely I would say pitch me for high times you know if the only connection is yeah they smoke weed but they really don't want to be asked about it they just want to be asked about their music because I've run into that before um then I would say new noise or another outlet is the best bet because high times always kind of wants to have that connection where it can also ask about the cannabis world fair um do we have anything more we want to go over on that Corey? before moving on the next one? Oh no i'm good on my end cool go I'm going the next question sure um so you are the managing editor for new noise um can you go into kind of more detail about what that position entails because i feel like there's a lot of confusion between what the writers do and what the editors do at publications. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and New Noise is definitely a little non-traditional because we are located all over the world. Um, Lisa Root, the editor, is in the Bay Area, so we're technically Bay Area based, but I'm here in Colorado. Um, Our social media person is literally in England. Um, One of our main writers is in Australia, so we're really, you know, not centrally located, so there's a lot of online communication. Um, But yeah, as managing editor, um, my main duties are I'm still pretty much the web editor, so overseeing all of the premieres, news, reviews, sending out the list for reviews, editing all the stuff before it goes up, um, helping oversee sharing it on social media or sharing it if I need to. Um, And then when it comes to the print magazine, um, helping with doing a lot of the writing, some bigger pieces that I'm really interested in and some smaller things that come up that we need to fill in. Um, And then we have a copy editor as well. And then I'm the second round of edits. I kind of look over and approve everything after it's been copy edited. And then I also look over and approve like the final proofs of the magazine before they go to print. So just to follow that up, um, they shouldn't be, in general, they wouldn't be pitching the managing editor at most, most places, but it would be, it's you at New Noise because you also have the role. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, honestly, it's so hard to say because of all the different places I've been. I've heard different things everywhere. You know, like managing editor, some places can be almost like not as prestigious of a title. Other places, it's like the top of the food chain. Um, Across the board, like, sorry, I knew she was like, editor in chief is like, um, you know, the main big title. Lisa just goes by editor, but she's really the editor in chief. Um, But I would say, I think it kind of depends on the content and it just depends on the style of magazine. Um, If 
if one of my writers comes to me with a pitch that they've been pitched directly by PR and they want to do it, um, that's fine. And they totally can, but they still have to check with me just to make sure you know, we're not also doing an interview in print and then they just wanted to do a web interview and it's like, well, that interview is going to go online too. So that'd be double coverage. Um, But yeah, I would say in most cases, it's okay to pitch directly to editors or to writers. Cool. Um, Corey, do you have a follow-up on that before we go to the next one? No, because that was actually my question on which one is better to pitch. So glad Mm. we touched on it. (laughs) Oh, actually, okay. So I guess I can go on to my next question. You yeah, don't have sorry, any- I, thought, I went like this, I thought, sorry. That was <laughs> sorry, 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 I thought you were just agreeing with me. Um, no, no. <laughs> um, okay, so on the whole pitching aspect of things, do you have any like major blunders that you think people should avoid or any tips for sending a quality pitch to New Noise Magazine? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I have done, you know, also a little work on the PR side. I've helped Mm -hmm. out um, Raquel Figlo, who's amazing um, with some of her PR stuff. And I've helped out with some cannabis people. Um, So I kind of know from both sides. I would say the biggest blunder is just sending the same thing over and over again and following up like so, so often. Um, You know, there is certain PR where it's like, okay, I've gotten this press release like 10 times. Um, And sometimes it isn't even because the same person is really being that persistent. It's because there's different people on the PR team and they're all sending me at my various emails the same thing. So I'll end up with like 15 versions of a press release. And, you know, if it's something really cool, awesome. But there's definitely that psychological thing of like, okay, I've seen this 15 times, like I'm tired of it. Um, So I would just say making sure to check that whoever you are pitching, like if it's the same name at different emails, that you're, you know, if it's one person, you're just sending it to one place um, and that you're on top of who's sending it out. So three different people don't send out the same thing on the same day. So now what do you, what do you think is like the ideal pitch? Like if someone wants you to review something, um, what, is, what is the best way to get Addison to approve the uh, pitch out of curiosity? Um, I would say just like including all of the relevant information without including an insane amount of information. I mean, if it's like a three page thing and there's so much going on that I can't even really figure out what's being pitched. Sometimes I, you know, I get like 500 emails a day and I'm flying through and that can be a little bit of a stumbler Um, or just sending like one sentence of like, hey, is it okay to send music? Like I appreciate you know, the politeness there, but it's like, I get so many press releases, just, just send it. Um, so I would say if there's like a link to check out the music, a little bit of a, you know, a photo and stuff in case we do decide to run it. So we have everything there and a little bit of a description of, um, you know, what it is, what kind of genre it is, who it might appeal to, you know, why we should care in terms of like, it's from this part of the world and these kind of people are involved. Um, if all that information is included, but at the same time, it's not like five pages of information. I think that's yeah. most likely to say yes. And what type of genre would you say would be like the new noise genre? Well, new noise is pretty cool because it's so genre expansive, unlike mm-hmm. the metal specific. So 
the big mm -hmm. ones are really metal and punk um but then a lot of indie anything that's kind of adjacent to those genres um is definitely a fit i would say kind of our favorite stuff and the stuff that does the best is you know um either really exciting stuff in metal death metal black metal hardcore um kind of stuff on the cutting edge of that and really cool things that are going on in the punk world um you know be it more of the pop punk kind of stuff or more traditional more hardcore tinged um stuff like that so you got like more of a broad yeah broad. which is really fun Cool. Uh, Corey, did you have a follow-up to that before I move on to my follow-up? No, I am good on my end. Well, let's talk for a minute here about how, like, the worst types of pitches you've ever gotten, <laughs> uh, the mistakes you've observed. Maybe we'll kind of go over that first before we get into anything too nitty-gritty. Why don't you kind of say what you've noticed people do wrong when they're pitching you specifically? I mean, generally, I try not to be hypercritical because I, you know, Fair. everyone makes mistakes. But Fair. I mean, I've definitely gotten press releases where it's like, mm -hmm. I guess they thought they were, they were including an embed code, but it's like a crazy long embed code. And it's like, literally like this long, um, like, you know, like 40 lines of text. Or I think sometimes something can happen in like the conversion where they think a photo is like in the email, but it either shows up so big and blown out that then I'm like having trouble scrolling even to reply or, you know, send it to someone or whatever. Um, or it just showed up as that big block of text because sometimes that conversion issue. So I would yep. just say attach things. Don't try and copy and paste in a PDF or a photo or something like that because it's gonna differ based on what kind of email server people are using, what kind of device they're on. And if someone gets a press release where the image is so big and blown out that you can't really scroll and read what the press release is saying, or when it's so full of that text that you can't really like make sense of it. I think that's a lot of times when writers or editors might just like, okay, delete, I don't even get what this is <laughs> versus giving it a chance. What about with, okay, so let's talk about with the subject line for a second. What's going to turn you off completely when you see a subject line, out of curiosity? Hmm, I'm thinking, if, I hope I pay it, enough attention to the subject lines, but I would say um, the best kind of subject line will let me know what it is, you know, if it's like, you know, hardcore from New York coming out on Friday, then I'm like, okay, cool. I know what that is. I get it. But if it's like, something really cryptic or trying at some kind of weird dad joke and then it like doesn't land and I'm like what or yeah. something that's kind of like you need to cover and like maybe a little overly pushy like those I think would be the biggest turnoffs the best would be you know even if I'm then I'm even if I'm not familiar with the band if it's like you know melodic black metal from you know Oregon I'm like oh wow I really like stuff like that I'm gonna check it out um, so I'd say like as much information as possible without having a crazy long subject line is always Fair. good. Um, and then what it, have you ever seen one that just automatically made you not want to open the email? Um, without going specific, obviously. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to think. I would say, I mean, really just the ones with like a ton of emojis and all caps and they're crazy long yep. where it's something like, like I said, trying to make a joke that I don't get because <laughs> sometimes it's just hard for that to land. Um, I'll still usually check it out, but then I think I'm already going into it with like, okay, this is annoying and I'm already not fully sure what it is from the subject line. Fair. 
What do you think of emojis in the subject line? We just started testing that out on some of ours. I'm curious, like, uh, what you think. Is it bad or good? I think a few are super cute. Um, yeah. I mean, with OFM, we always, almost always include emojis in the subject line of, like, our newsletter. Um, yeah. But you know, maybe a couple fire emojis or hearts, something like that. If it's, like, so many emojis, then yeah. that's overwhelming. And then I would also say, you know, just making sure that everyone's doing those test emails and trying it out. Um, yep. Certain emojis like don't show up. And then if it's like, say it's like a person of color, it'll show up as like a blank person and then like a little box of like a brown color and it looks really weird. Um, so just making sure that, you know, the emojis are actually gonna read and it's actually going to show up as what you're trying to send. Cool. Um... What else do we want to follow up on that before my next question, Corey? Can you think of anything? I don't know. I think we did good on the emojis. I generally limit mine to one emoji. And yeah. then, you know, one emoji, short subject that is explanatory. And then I move on with my life. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so, Addison, just, just back to the, like your pitching emails and stuff like that. So <clears throat> do you prefer to have, for people in general, to do, try to do a personal pitch to or do you prefer like the MailChimp type send outs? Um, I don't think it matters quite so much to me just because I know it's super easy to make something personalized by just popping in the name. Yeah. Um, if it is really personalized as in you know someone like you a PR person that I actually know being like hey I think this would be good for new noise because of this reason or I know you covered this and this so maybe you would want to cover this. Um, so I would say either taking the time to do that really personalized pitch of like, hey, I know you, I know you like this kind of stuff, here's an attachment, or just doing the generic email. Um, so many times it'll be like, hey, and it'll be my name. And then further on, it'll be like, you know, is this a good fit for Rolling Stone or like something yeah. right for? And then I'm like, yikes. So just yeah. make sure again to like check all that and make sure that all that is correct. Yeah. Um, and then let's talk for a second here about uh, how you like to receive your pitches. Are you okay with receiving them on social media? I know I've done it before, but it, it just in general. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally fine with it. I would say it's, I mean, if you want to shoot me just a message, which this is what you do, and just say, hey, I sent this email. Would yep. you be interested in this for this reason? That's totally fine. Um, it, it's going to get a little confusing if someone tries to just do the whole pitch through social media, not just a follow up like, hey, I sent an email. Because usually, um, since I obviously don't have time to write everything we get, if it is something we decide to cover, we either like add it to the review list from our email or we forward it. So then it's just like, you know, creating that extra step. If it's like, I have to find a way to like email myself this so I can get it to this writer, yeah. or whatever. Cool. Um, Corey, did you have a follow-up on that part before I move on? No. Cool. Okay. So uh, we got about five to 10 minutes left, Addison, just, just as an FYI. Um, so is it, would it be easier for a band to get a review, an interview, or like a news item placed at New Noise? Um, I would definitely say a news item or a review is going to be easier. Obviously, an interview takes a little bit of time. Um, and so if it's, you know, maybe someone a little more established, someone who has a really exciting story to tell, we're always open to that. Um, but for the reviews, um, it's, I think, a little easier for a writer to just 
be incentivized by getting that, you know, complimentary download or physical copy of a record and then, you know, sitting with it, taking their time to just write what they feel. Um, with a news item, those are, you know, pretty quick turnarounds of like, hey, just FYI, this band just dropped a really cool video, check it out. They also have an album on the way, done deal. Um, interviews just take a little more time and effort. So, and it's not that, you know, we won't run them or it's not possible, but I'd say it's definitely easier with a review or news. Cool. Um, and then is there a limit to how much, how many times someone should follow you up with a pitch? Um, I'd say maybe two or three times. I generally cool. try and always respond and at least say either like, hey, we're going to consider this. It's on the list for writers to check out. You know, I'll let you know if anyone's interested or, hey, we're going to pass if it's like a specific premiere request or something that we're not going to run with or like, yeah, we're going to do it. Like I generally respond to everything unless it's you know, like you just sending like, hey, this is an album download, then I'll just put it in the folder to be added to, you know, where you can, where people can request something if they want it. But I'm not going to necessarily respond to every single like, hey, here's a download of this and be like, great, received. I'm like, no, I got it. Um, so, you know, I'd say maybe two or three times for, for any kind of pitch. I was just going to say, if you, if you responded to every fucking holics that you got, that would be. Yeah. 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 And some people I think do expect that they're like, Hey, I sent the download. Did you get it? And I'm like, yes, I got it. You know, and it's in um, consideration. So if any of the reviewers want to grab it, they can, but yeah, I get, you know, several hundred a day. So <laughs> that's crazy to me, especially because we can look in the holics and see if you even open the email or not. Right. <laughs> so just in regards to the follow-up, Corey, I, I, I know you have a couple tips that you'd like to go over on that. Can you just kind of reiterate, re reiterate read them for us? Oh, I mean, my follow-ups are usually just, you know, try to limit it to two, maybe three, and kind of pay attention to what the writer prefers. Like, I prefer people not try to reach out to me on Facebook, because I kind of like try to limit that to, you know, family and friends, mm -hmm. um, or people that I actually, you know, know um, so I prefer email <laughs> what do you think is the best amount of time to you know the the number of times before it's like no don't don't follow up anymore <laughs> the yeah, no answer is an answer is something that I I, I kind of say sometimes when it's like it, it reaches that point where you're not getting a response and that is your response yeah I'd say like three or four um you know if it's like I said I try and never just absolutely not respond if anything I'll respond and be like hey this seems cool but it's definitely more pop just straight up pop you know maybe you could pitch it over to me at OFM but this doesn't make sense for new noise or something like that I try and always respond um but I, yeah I would say three or four would be that maximum cool um I got a final question actually for you now so you were just mentioning pitching pitching OFM for uh something so um how do you ever kind of like like let's say it's a non-marijuana related band would you still cover them or at high times or 
So yeah, with, with high times, it's really specific. They only really want, um, you know, people who are also going to talk about cannabis because that's been their legacy for, you know, however long they've been around. Um, without front, it's definitely, we're a little more, you know, we don't necessarily need to ask about your identity or make sure you're a member of the LGBTQ community. It's more, you know, obviously that you're supportive. And then we cover more like poppy stuff would make okay. sense for the fans or okay. indie you know anything not so much super super heavy stuff unless it does have a queer angle um so it's definitely kind of on a case-by-case basis for each publication cool. but for high times it's more of that hard and fast not only does it need to have some sort of cannabis connection they need to be willing to talk about it in the cool court oh no, I didn't have a follow-up. Is that, I, I have an off-topic question actually that's, um, yeah, completely different. Um, so I was looking through, uh, you know, New Noise Magazine and the things that you guys are doing and I'm seeing a lot of print magazines getting into the vinyl realm. And I'm not sure if this is something you would know about in your role as a managing editor, but is there anything on the horizon for new noise going into the exclusive vinyl with bands where you get like an exclusive new noise color? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, we've definitely, we've talked about all kinds of different things. I don't think there's anything, you know, new set in stone necessarily, but we're, you know, we're talking about doing a lot of revamping and cool stuff for 2022. Um, and I'm sure you all are aware, you know, we've been doing the flexi disc thing for a while. We have a really cool, exciting full of hell one in this next upcoming issue. Um, and pretty much we try to do like some original merch stuff with a lot of our covers as well. Um, like with King Woman, with that cover, we did a tote bag. Um, we've done like a beach towel like we always kind of try and roll out fun things like that just to kind of boost sales and also you know give everyone that little exciting merch thing that metal and punk bands love so much um i have another question i just realized sorry addison hopefully you don't have to go right away um so okay so one okay so one question that always gets asked is if i buy an ad will that increase my chances of coverage? And if you don't want to answer that question, I am totally fine with that, but I always get asked that question. Yeah, no worries. I mean, definitely, I will say, um, I mean, Lisa and I have had this conversation a lot where I feel like there's this big push in the community of like support bands, support bands, buy merch, buy music, support, support. And then when it comes to media, there's almost more of sometimes this assumption like media doesn't even need to get paid. They should just be yeah bands and I would say you know we're very DIY we get completely all of our money just from sales of the issue sales of the merch and our advertisers um so if you are willing to support us in that way say hey you know we're not going to ask you to send us 50 free magazines we actually bought some we got a subscription and we'd love to take out an ad it's going to be a very very small ad that's all we can afford but like we want to show support I definitely think that increases our willingness to say well yeah and you you're doing cool stuff too so we want to support you back um that being said it's definitely not a full pay-to-play situation if it's really cool stuff that we love we're going to cover it no matter what um if it's stuff that just really really doesn't fit our scope like straight up bubblegum pop you know we've been pitched that even in terms of like and we'll buy an ad and we're just like sorry we just don't think that's the right fit what y'all are doing is great it's just not the best fit so it still has to be that right fit it still has to be something we 
feel good about supporting musically and ethically. Um, but I would say definitely if you're willing to show support of us, either, you know, I bought a subscription, I bought an ad. I think that that goes a long way with us because we just like all the bands are DIY, just trying to stay afloat with our sales and with our ads. Totally. Um, I think I've done all my questions for today and I think that's all we got. Um, I, I've had on my list. Cool. Uh, Addison, did you have anything further you wanted to say before we end off? No, I think that's it. Just thank you so much for having me on. And yeah, I'm really excited that we got to chat. Cool. Oh, oh I do have one more thing. Uh, where can people, where can people find you? Like wh what social medium do you want them to follow you on? If any, um, Facebook, I think it's just my name, um, cool. on Instagram, which I'm not that active on, but it's heathen temple, like the pig destroyer song. Um, and I'm super inactive on Twitter, but I am on there, I think also as Heathen Temple. Um, and then in terms of pitching me, it's Addison at newnoisemagazine.com, Addison at hightimes.com, Addison at outfrontmagazine.com. Um, it's easy to find and really any of those will work to get me a pitch. Awesome. Okay. Thank you very much, Addison. And with that, party on, Corey. Party on, guys. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on your platform of choice. You can also join the conversation by following us on any social media and suggesting guests or topics you'd like to learn more about. Thanks for listening to C-Squared.